Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing the online spat between Kanye and Drake. Chris, kick us off. I have to say, I don't know anything about this spat. No, okay. on, on the, in the unlikely event that our listeners also aren't aware of what we're talking about, maybe you could. Explain yeah, no, I can, I bit. can, I can fill that in. I mean, the the, the reason um, I got got drawn into this story first of all is because I've I, I vowed uh, when I was a teenager, mm. uh, and there was a like a, a sort of late eighties, early nineties revival of James Brown. Uh, and I got, you know, quite into James Brown. So I asked my parents, you know, what do you remember about James Brown? To which they responded, who's James Brown? Okay. So um, <laughs> so ever since then, I thought, right, I've I got to keep on top of, you know, these these popular cultural... So you don't want the history what, to repeat itself and your children to come exactly, to you and say, say, Daddy, who's Kanye? <laughs> yeah, and then, right, okay. exactly, I, I need to be able to, to fill them in. So I followed... My main source of information about this stuff is still the BBC News, and they happen so to So you're probably up, about five years yeah, behind yeah, what's five, actually... Yeah, five years behind what's actually happening. Yeah. But anyway, right, there was, this, there was this spat, and I found myself getting drawn into it between the sort of young... Uh, well, I mean, he's Are not, they both rappers? They're both rappers, okay. yes. Uh, One uh, of and, these hippity-hoppity gentlemen. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, um, so for context, Drake is like younger, but massively successful at the okay. moment. Uh, and in his um, in his history, he, he was very influenced by Kanye. Eventually, they started sort of working together and collaborating. And, and in fact, um, Drake's sort of kind of breakthrough came in a, when he was freestyling over a Kanye um, okay. record. So Drake is a kind of Luke Skywalker figure in all of this. Very much so, yeah. Right. yeah. And this is why I got drawn into it, because it's very it's very Shakespearean. There's this element of um, of the, the protege usurping the, the you know, the, the master and so on. Mm. Um, but effectively, they, they kind of had this relationship, but then uh, Drake himself has a, um, a kind of nemesis, a guy called Pusha T. Okay. Uh, and... Um, the plot thickens. <laughs> the plot thickens, exactly. Uh, uh, um, Kanye had done some collaboration with... Uh, um, with Drake, and now he collaborates with this guy Pusha T. And Pusha T, in that song where they were collaborating, uh, sort of um, dissed uh, 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 Drake um, and uh, suggested that he used ghostwriters for his lyrics. But not only that, in another another point in one of his records... Do you mean his rhymes? He used them his, for his rhymes. His rhymes, yeah. that's right, yeah. Yeah, his ill rhymes. Yeah. Although that, that might be 20 years. I think we're uh, already off the cringe of scale, yeah, so we exactly. might as well okay. dig ourselves deeper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, he, he um, sort of revealed... Uh, this guy Pusha T that um, Drake had had an illegitimate child with a former porn star actress. Okay. Is that uh, good or bad? That sounds like it's maybe a cool thing if you're a rapper. Yeah, well, I think you know it was not it was not sort of portrayed in a in a positive right. light in the in the song. So I believe so. There's this element of of uh, you know. Um, illegitimate children it's got all the all the kind of hallmarks of a great piece of drama anyway at some point um there uh, um uh, um kanye who is uh who is I, I believe diagnosed as being bipolar so you've also got an issue of 
you know, mental illness going on. You know, it's like it's like Caligula or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's like. And, and sorry to interrupt a second. Yeah. Is it Kanye who's mates with Trump? Yes, that's right. Yes. Okay. So right. I don't know if you've seen the really strange, bizarre um, footage of of him in the the White House. Yeah, where it's, it's very un comfortable watching okay so anyway you've got all of these these ingredients of, of great drama going on and uh, then then um Kanye goes on a sort of epic twitter rant against him saying you know <laughs> threatening him and his family and saying he he spoiled uh the sale of of a brand of trainers which which he endorses by saying something rude about them in one of his songs and uh, <laughs> and it all it all spirals out of control that sounds great yeah exactly so i got i got i got totally i started by thinking what what is this you know why are why is everybody obsessed with this this you know these sort of non entity celebrities and then i got drawn into this huge kind of shakespearean drama mm. uh and thought this is actually very entertaining and it, it well, got... are rappers in the nineties when they had a falling out, they'd shoot each other. Well, What's that's matter? true. What's yeah. happening? These Millennial days? Now rappers. They just take it... yeah. I know it's these snowflake rappers who just take it all out on Twitter. No, yeah, moaning yeah. about trainers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and so exactly. I think this is we're sort of edging towards why we want to talk about yeah. this. So carry right, on, exactly. Chris. Right. So, so the... I think that's about all we've got time for. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be doing the Kardashians next week. <laughs> um, but the um, the the uh, the point is basically. Uh, it it seems to me that um, our obsession with uh, celebrities and the realities of their life has taken over from, uh, you know, in, in sort of popular lowbrow culture, has taken over from what used to be drama, soap operas and so on. You know, you, you've had a real dwindling of, of soap operas and mm. an upsurge in this sort of uh, reality TV and, and you know, interest in social media, you know, um, YouTube stars and so on. And uh, that just struck me as interesting why why that's happening and what that's So, so for example, what, 25-odd years ago, um, people of a certain age would be very familiar with, with what's going on in Neighbours, for example. Yeah, um, and that's kind of gone right off very the, much so. off if, the radar, I think. But there will be now that, and perhaps back then they wouldn't perhaps know quite so much what's going on with the rappers of the day. No, um, whereas now that's in reverse. Yeah, very um, very much so. And, and and in fact, there's some fascinating sort of like you know um, the 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 data to do with um, TV viewing. Uh, is is really really interesting, you know, with with, with that regards, because you've got things like, um, you know, throughout the eighties, nineteen eighty six, uh, the EastEnders Christmas special, over thirty million people watched that. So that's right? over half the country, and that's just TV sets, right? So it's even yeah. more than that, right. probably. Right? Now, obviously, we well, obviously, we, no, no, so not thirty oh, so million TV sets, but when oh, they okay. do their estimates of, okay. of viewing figures, so they take into right. account. You what know, was the viewing. big story? For that, oh, that was at, the divorce yeah, between exactly. Angie and Dem. Oh, Angie, Angie and Dem breakup. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is that he once when this when this uh, Biggie Smalls, what's it called, Kanye West, that's the one. When that has been long forgotten, people will still remember Dem Angie, and Angie. Angie and Dem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then throughout the eighties, you've got like Only Fools and Horses, uh, Coronation Street. You know, they're all topping twenty million viewers. Neighbors, of course, when you uh, you know when you were talking about sort of um, uh, you know. Australian soaps and um not only that 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 the celebrities came from the soaps in those days right. so you know they went on to have pop careers lots of mm. those people based on their their existence in uh, um 
you know, in, in those things. But then really the, the kind of rot sets in like in the in the noughties, really, where you've got uh, things like um, X Factor and and, uh, uh, you know, eventually I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here and uh, so on and so forth. And um, in uh, 2017, so, uh, yeah, the year and a bit ago, the the top 10 sort of viewed programs of of the year uh were number one was blue planet the the nature document also reality tv also effectively yeah it made celebrities of some of them dolphins (laughs) (laughs) um then you had strictly come dancing again Mm. about celebrities and their lives and uh, then you had i'm a celebrity uh then you had the one love uh concert in in manchester Broadchurch at number five is the first drama, but eleven only eleven million viewers. So, so is this the? So you're talking about Christmas viewing or no top or ten throughout the, the year? The most viewed things. Then Britain's got cha- got talent uh, um, and um, yeah, you know other other various things. So drama features not much now. TV viewing figures in general. So the the Bodyguard uh, series that was on this year or last last year now. Uh, that was, you know, highly viewed and seen as be was 14 million viewers. Now that's that's half what you know those soaps would would mm. be getting in the, in their sort of. Yeah, there's so many more channels, so many more things. So many more so, channels, so many fewer think, people watching yeah, TV. Well, but the po- but the point is, even mm. relatively, um, reality reality shows and and reality uh well yes well, I so, mean, her, look, sorry, so i think sorry, sorry before you before you come into nick so i just I mean in some sense this is well-trodden ground in as much as um the fragmentation of of viewing and how we view stuff and entertainment channels and all that and so reduced figures and and a, a, a less of this kind of uh national experience of watching something all that kind of we're familiar with um but i think what's interesting that you've picked up on here is this the idea of oh but hold on it's dramas have sort of were once the thing whereas now the drama is real life stuff exactly um, yeah and, so- and and not only that that um that celebrities come from reality you know rather yeah. than coming from something else so you know you, you like in this year of um, strictly come dancing there was a youtube uh, I can't remember the guy's name now, Jack something, but he was a YouTube celebrity mm. going, sort of crossing that that bridge into mainstream. That's right. Um, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, that's the, 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 the fact that um, you know, partly it's being technology driven, but reality is the new the new drama. Um, and just before Nick comes in, I just want to try and focus us. So we've commented on that. We've observed that. Well, wh- what's our point? What what are questions do we want to answer? What do we want well, to I, investigate? I don't know. I, first of all, I just want to talk a bit about the data. I'm not sure I totally... I'm not sure the data unreservedly points to the fact that there's been a sort of qualitative change. Okay. I agree. There's a lot of... All kinds of quantitative changes going on. Um, but when you look at actually what is reality TV... Um, Everything has a precedent. I mean, there aren't there isn't anything really um, which doesn't sort of uh, which you couldn't find an example of, you know, forty or fifty years ago. Um, it is just a quantity, as far as I can so see. So, what I mean, was reality TV? In the well, exactly. Then? I mean, there's things like dating shows where you know we used to have blind date, yeah, blind date, and now we've got you know things like The Bachelor and Love Island. But it's that's just you know a kind of slightly more higher budget version of, of blind date. Um, you, you know, well, the fundamental there is a difference concept, though. In a, in a, so something like 
but it I goes don't really... on for much longer. I mean, it's much cheaper to produce large amounts of footage. So, yeah, but... you know, it's just but the underlying concept is the same. Well, you know, but they would in in the space of five minutes try and get over someone's personality, and you would peer into their lives. Yeah, no, instead that, of, that's instead true. Of over the space of five hours, you know. One thing that is different, though, is um, sorry to interrupt your flow, but the kind of programs you get now where they kind of just switch the cameras on. Somewhere. Well, it looks that's what they want you to think is going. No, and it's yeah. still a structured situation, it's still a controlled situation like Big Brother, for example. But you just get hours and hundreds of hours. I mean, of- I, I think Big Brother is about. I mean, it was obviously big news when it came along, which I think was the late nineties or early, early, very early two thousands. Uh, I know it had been earlier, but something like it had been done in Holland. Um, but um, you, but but it, I mean, people when people say reality TV, they don't just mean that kind of thing. Mm. They're also talking about all these other things, like you know these sort of docu series, which are following you know the kind of only way as Essex type thing. Yeah. Um, things like uh, you but know, also tr- following policemen and you know sort yeah, of there's all, all of that, that kind of, of yeah, yeah. Th- those sorts of things. You got those sort of takeover <coughs> renovation shows. Um, you know all the kind of competition things, which are things like you know the the um, strictly come dancing. Um, cock- cooking shows and uh, sort of you know the sort of hidden camera things. Um, so I think there's there's you know there's loads of and 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 you know there's document if we think of even just about sort of you know splitting it into sort of category large scale categories of documentary structured reality and then sort of reality and competition things. All of these things have, have existed for a long time. There's nothing nothing like particularly uh, new about any of those. In fact, I mean I think. Um, certainly one of the things that cropped up when i looked at you know what's the history of um of of reality tv was the seven up michael aptid's documentary seven up which you know started in the early 60s and is still going on and has been following the same bunch of people and and um you know that's not that different really i mean it's a, you know so i we're looking at a i think a quantitative change um and and I, and I think it's driven by technology because I'm it, not sure I agree, but keep going. You know, I, I think it's the possible to do a program like like Big Brother, um, much as people might have wanted to. Uh, you, you know that that's why things were scripted and you filmed things in studios and, uh, because and, you can, and you can you can why they threw it. away all these you know sort of golden archives yeah. of of you know episodes of of Monty Python or whatever because. They needed they, the film. They needed the film, or they didn't have space to store the stuff. Yeah. Or... So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't disagree with Chris. I'm just saying I, maybe it's slightly. It, it feels to me like it might be slightly over exaggerated. Yeah, it's that, not quite know, as simple as we're stating. Just, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a qualitative change. Is what I'm saying. It's just like yeah, now, no, no. So, that, and, and I think if you look at the numbers of new TV series, right, new scripted drama series, they're, they're, they're it's increasing all the time. So it's not like they're forcing. But is out. that is that does that take into account the burgeoning um channels that, that you I accept can, that they're going to be a smaller percentage yeah uh, of of a much bigger sort of pool but but i'm just saying it's not like it's forcing out drama you know if you if you're a drama hound you you've got more to choose from now than you did 10 years ago i, so I mean i think for, i think for me one of the interesting things and this is partly an issue of you know atomization of of our sort of cultural experience but um previously dramas drove um a lot of uh, popular consciousness you know so like angie and den you know it was a it, it it was a thing now people i don't think would coalesce around drama in the in the same way as a you know not least because it's not the same viewing experience you don't all sit there on a uh, on a sunday evening to watch this 
this thing as a family and then talk about it with your mates. On the other hand, it's probably easier to find fans of the thing you're into because of the internet. I mean, so just you can to find say, an appropriate subreddit which is dealing with you know EastEnders, and you'd I, probably be able to liaise with loads of other EastEnders fans more easily than you might have done. Yeah. I still have water cooler conversations though. So I quite recently talking, uh, I overheard people talking about something that was sounded quite dramatic, and I thought I bet they're talking about this. And sure enough, they were talking about there's a series on uh, an American series on Netflix called You, uh, which mm. I don't know if you're familiar with. No, I've heard of it. Um, it's about a sort of a stalking boyfriend essentially, um, and two people I don't know particularly well at work uh, were talking about it, and I heard about it and said, yeah, I'm sort of talking, I'm watching that as well, and it's a drama. Um, so it kind of yeah. is out there. No, um, and, and also since uh, since really the Wire and HBO, you know, kind of becoming uh, a powerful creative force in 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 television, you know, particularly American dramas have kind of lifted their game, and and the the whole Netflix uh, model of you know, and Twenty Four was another one that that um, blazed that trail mm-hmm. of of effectively the the box set concept which has now you know what used to be you buy all the cds and watch them you know in two over two nights but is now you know binge watching via streaming services and that is broadly drama driven i would say you know most of the big ones are sort of walking dead yeah um so so i got some numbers in 2016 uh according to fx networks research there were 400 and more or less 460 uh, new original series, right, in 2016, um, in the US, I think, compared with in 2002, just 180. Mm. So there's a huge increase in drama. So like, now the big, you wanted to get more fundamental. So I'm going to do that. We're going to go more, we're going to go deeper. Go deep. So the, the question is, what's going on anyway, right, with our consumption of these things? Uh, it is such a universal human urge, but we don't necessarily stop to ask ourselves why we spend so long getting into the lives of other people in either the form of drama or, you know, these reality dramas. Um, There are clearly aspects of them that are engaging, which is essentially all your kind of screenwriting theory about the three-act structure. You know, we like to see things which have a kind of narrative arc to them. And, you know, soap operas are a whole load of narrative arcs superimposed on each other. And that's why, you know, reality TV just watching footage would be really boring and the editors have to turn it into something where there's a bit of drama and there has, has to be a kind of build-up and a resolution you know so uh, but why 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 well why do we want to do that why is that such a big thing for us why do we spend so much of our lives you know paying attention to the what's going on in other people's lives with their fictional real I mean, we've. I think we've touched upon this in the past, right? Uh, in these podcasts, which is we've talked about why do humans love stories, right? And we do exactly as you've just said. Um, I don't know if I have the answer. I suspect. Well, like, yeah, I mean, a, sure, surely, surely a a large part of it is, um, uh, you know, the the vicarious pleasure is is just that. It's like it's like watching your fellow tribe member sort of walk across the frozen ice and and you know you're, you're effectively learning from their experience so well, you see yeah i'd say i think of it as an adaptation you know it's 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 the ability to suck up the experience of lots of other people whereas you yourself only have one one life you know so hearing stories about what other people have done is massively helpful so it strikes me as you know it's not it's not something we need to explain particularly i mean it seems really kind of evolutionarily 
obvious, but I don't think, yeah, it certainly doesn't feel like that. People don't sit there and think, well, I've got an evolutionary urge to watch this. You know, we just enjoy it. But the point mm. is that there must be a reason we enjoy it because actually it's pretty puzzling when you sit and think about it. Um, so I, I, I would say it's almost, you know, drama and reality TV. It's sort of like fast food. It's, it's like, you know, and, and our consumption of it is sort of like obesity in that, there are no constraints, you know, it's got so cheap to produce and broadcast. Uh, well, and also just taking it one step higher, but also bringing us back to the very beginning where actually there's nothing structured. I th- I, well, I don't think there is or produced about this spat we talked about between Kanye and Drake. Uh, sure maybe our guys are working. OK, on maybe it, there right? is. It's been massaged a bit, let's say. Um but ultimately, it kind of looks like it just kind of happened, right? Yeah, but it it's probably natural. it probably but it's, emerged in our consciousness because it had that it had a pleasing structure, right? Whereas, whereas you know, there's lots of other Twitter spats you don't hear about. So there's yeah. a kind of evolutionary uh, uh, race between Twitter spats, you know, to try and get our attention, and the ones that do happen to resemble, you know, what we think of as <laughs> and, yeah, and typical. I, I guess it's no, is that technology and access? Ac- we for the first time in a long time, or ever perhaps, we've got accessibility to that kind of spat right, yeah. amongst so, these so what, famous I mean, people I, I, whose music we love and, and trainers but, we buy. And... Well, I think the difference is, right, obviously the Victorians and, you know, pro- well before that sort of, you know, a court intrigue and all of those kinds of things. But the Victorians, you know, with um, things like Vanity Fair and, you know, the Oscar Wilde uh, sort of, you know, controversy and imprisoning and, uh, you know, th- those were, those people were but obsessed. All, of those, all those... of those gazettes, you know, there's kind of true That's crime right. gazettes. They're, 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 yes, they were yeah, obsessed yeah, with, uh, with, with murder. murder. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so so they you know that was the technology they had available to them then. I think the 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 difference is now um, is everybody can broadcast at huge volume. You know you can whereas you might get a, a weekly or monthly periodically pre, uh, periodical previously. Now it's it's watching it live happen unfold before before. Yeah. So I I feel like we don't need to explain. Uh, why why this is happening uh, it actually it's just driven by we have an insatiable urge to, to consume drama and um, it's it's you know, reality is cheaper than fiction um, and and so that exp- and you know that explains really why there's so much more reality in terms of our drama consumption um, but uh, Fraser's trying to, you're trying to wind this up and mm. I'm not I'm not going to let you because I'm think winding you up instead yeah 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 <laughs> By the way, I like the way you just coined a new phrase. Um, rather than reality is strange in the fiction, reality is cheaper than than, than fiction. Well, there we go. I think we put that write that down. <laughs> um, I think the uh, what, yeah. So one of the questions I have is why reality is considered lowbrow. I I don't really have an answer to that, other than the fact that it is cheap, um, and it's there's a sense that it's exploitative. Um, you know, there's a sense that the people in it are probably being deceived in some way by the program makers. Um, and that the urges that we see on display and the, the incentives people have to get involved in reality TV are probably sort of base rather than noble ones. Um, but no, my, my theory, I would say that basically the thing is that drama uh, was a substitute for reality. That's what, that's, what I, that's my thesis, basically, that when it was cheaper to show drama because you could get actors into a room and get them to act things out. And that, that was cheaper than having to, you know, there was no means of going out and get, and capturing reality in the same way. Yeah, you couldn't we actually consumed, see what happened to no, Julius Caesar. No, exactly. So, so, we yeah. con- so we consumed drama. And now I think reality, you know, we, we actually, we always wanted we return reality. To our roots. Now I, think, I think you've nailed it quite nicely. But right I, I've got, but what about my got, really crappy, uh, uh, crappy um, reality TV shows? Go for it. So Here comes Honey Boo Boo. 
Yeah, I've heard of that. A show about a six-year-old beauty pageant star called Alana and her stay-at-home mum, Mama June Shannon, her father, Mike Sugar Bear Thompson, and her three <laughs> sisters, Lauren Pumpkin Shannon, Jessica Chubbs Shannon, and Anna Chickadee Shannon. Anyway, that's the, that's the classiest one that I've got. Right. I've also got Bridal Plasty. No, not Which followed 12 engaged or married women competing for the wedding of their dreams and their dream plastic surgery procedure. Cool. Uh, so they each had a plastic surgery wish list and each uh, the winner of each week's wedding theme challenge would, would win a plastic Gets surgery carved. procedure. Yeah. Uh, and then the winner of the competition got the wedding of her dreams and um, all of her wish list fulfilled. Uh, the Littlest Groom. Not, uh, no, not heard of it. It was 2004. It was a reality TV series, uh, a bit like The Bachelor, but it followed uh, Glenn Foster, who was a, f- a four foot five dwarf, in his search for love within a group of both dwarf women and women of average height. Just to say, that's quite tall for a dwarf. But anyway, go on. I um, you should, should maybe maybe they should, should be sort of middle sized groom. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, maybe he was tall, dark, and handsome in the dwarf world. Mr. Anyway, Personality. Not heard. It's my it. favourite because it's so incongruous. Yeah. It was a program. Um, Hosted by Monica Lewinsky <laughs> and uh, a woman. Was she wearing that dress? A woman had to select a husband from 20 Bachelors, but the twist was their faces were covered by masks throughout the show. Brilliant. So that she could only decide who she went for on the basis of their personality rather than their looks. So uh, anyway, I thought they were they were really good. I mean, they're sort of things that if someone like, um, you know, uh, Stephen King or Philip K. Dick had invented them, you'd think that's so far fetched. It'll never happen. Well, this reminds me of uh, back in the day reading Viz, where Roger Melly, the man on the telly, yeah, yeah. and he used to pitch these ideas for yeah, game shows right. that yeah. were just, I won't, go, I won't say that what they yeah. say, but that's exactly what you're seeing on yeah, TV yeah. now, yeah, with people right. sort of uh, dating naked and so on. Um, oh, yeah, and I love that, The Naked Truth, isn't it? That yeah. is brilliant. <laughs> that's bizarre. I find it bizarre. Take Me Out is another yeah. one that I like. Um, okay, look, I want to finish off on, 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 on two things. First of all, I just want to note the following. We've been talking about telling stories. <laughs> Um, is one thing I just just to observe that we're all storytellers here, and just going back, let, imagine us back in the day, uh, two thousand years ago or more. I think each of us, in our own way, would be the bard or the storyteller within the tribe, because I know all of us tell stories to our kids, which is not that unusual. But I know that Chris, not this year, but we would write every day stories for his kids come Christmas time with a new uh, sort of chapter every day, right? Yeah, an Advent story. Yes, yeah, exactly, an Advent yeah. story. I know that uh, Nick, you read to your stories, and I was. Really really quite uh impressed you've been reading great expectations to to, mm. to one of yours um and so i remember is that you put on this is from ages ago saying you put on different voices for different characters i love I, the voice is the best thing and the great thing about great expectations mm. is that when pip was a kid mm. he had a he had a he had a cockney accent like this and he was always, always asking joe what's going on joe and then as he's become a gentleman he's gradually transformed into a sort yeah. of rp posh london chat so you get to um, your range to, and I, so i gradually i gradually changed that accent into the around, role, you know yeah. imperceptibly uh, 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 imp- that was my favorite bit about if anyone that. from rada is listening we've got a candidate yeah, right hello. here or, or a coach <laughs> get, um, get in touch with my agent but one thing i'm also maybe saying is often the hero so you give voices to all the different people except for the hero who has a natural nick hair voice that's right yeah and kind of implanting this into your children sort of yeah, yeah consciousness. I, th- I think it's more that the hero is usually a cipher for the reader Right. So, so I don't want to distance the hero from the from you know who I'm reading it to by making a putting on a funny voice. Yeah, yeah. But um, you do want to associate yourself with heroism. Plus, <laughs> yes, that's a natural. And yeah, I I, natural. I, I read a lot to my kids, um, and would also often would make up a story, and the story always involves the same characters. 
who are called because uh, I've got three kids and the character is always called Harlow, which is near where I live. So Harlow Sorbo, which is where I do live, Sawbridgeworth Sorbo, Harlow Sorbo, and Mongrelina as oh. the girl, which is our nickname for my for my daughter when she was a fetus right. because she was a bit of a mongrel because yeah. she's half Brazilian, half English, and and mix of all uh, well, all sorts of stuff. So we used to call her Mongrelina. So those three always get into an adventure. Yeah, um, of well, it's got great peril, and they somehow manage to escape and and. And, and and the moment where they're able to get away always involves the same plot device, which is um, Harlow farts at whatever. It could be a shark attacking them or, or something like that. And that's how they always get into danger. Um, OK, so we'll wrap up there. Um, all I can say is I hope you all live happily ever after. Sleep tight from the Cognitive Engineering podcast um, from Uncle Chris, Uncle Nick and Uncle Fraser. Good night and goodbye. Bye bye. God, they sound like a terrifying set of uncles, don't they? You wouldn't leave them babysitting your kids. Yeah.